We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter 3, starting in verse 18. All right, so we're kind of continuing the, the, context, the context that we've been in. Remember, this is the letter to the elect exiles. Um, so there are people who are not in their home. They're dispersed, um, and, and they're just out of place. And so kind of early on, Peter said that we are called to be holy as God is holy. So remember, holy doesn't mean perfect. Holy means other and set apart. So we're to be set apart for God. We're to be other than those around us. And so, uh, you know, last week, this week, and next week, I mean, you know, Peter gets into the fact that when you're other, when you're set apart, when you're different than everyone around you, there's going to be some persecution. There's going to be some suffering that comes along with that. And so last week, Jimmy focused on um, suffering for righteousness sake, that um, anybody can, you know, suffer because of their own stupid decisions, uh, because they do something wrong. That, that's just kind of universal. Those are consequences. But we're called to suffer for doing good. We're called to, even though we do the right things, even though we're living how God wants us to, that doesn't mean it's just going to all work out for us. And I think that's a big misconception in Christianity is that simply by being a child of God, that means everything's rosy after that. Everything's perfect after that. Everything's easy after that. But, it, but it's not. We do have trials and persecutions and sufferings. And so today, we're going to look at, as far as uh, what Christ's role in our suffering is, because he suffered, we suffer. And then next week, we'll look at how do we respond to suffering? How are we supposed to, as believers, respond to suffering? Um, so let's get into the verse. So starting in verse 18, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteousness for the unrighteousness that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey. When God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for good conscience through the resurrection of, of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and has at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Since, therefore, Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For, that, for the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. So as we look at this, like we said, uh, in context of the whole thing, in exile you may be called to suffer 
but suffer well so you will always have opportunity to share that your hope is in Christ, even to those who are causing you to suffer. So specifically in what we read today, we are to be encouraged in our suffering because we don't suffer alone. Christ suffered with us. And so kind of as we look through this, this has some really kind of confusing but interesting parts to it. And so I want to kind of focus on the main thing first before we get lost in the weeds of explaining what exactly it means that he went and preached to those in the days of Noah, Um, because that can get a little confusing. And there's lots of, I think I read there's 180 different interpretations of this passage. Um, So, you know, the Bible's up for interpretation. There's a lot of nuance there. But I want us to kind of look at the big context first so we don't get lost in the weeds when we look at that. So that big context today is that last week we started talking about this idea of suffering. So this week as we're talking about suffering, it's even though you suffer because you're different, because you're cast out, because you don't belong where you're at, even though you suffer, there's encouragement because Christ suffered with you and your suffering has a purpose. So that's the main thing that Peter's getting at is suffering has a purpose um, because suffering... Uh, you know, one, Christ suffered for us so that we could be saved. So suffering brings salvation. Uh, in our current suffering, it kind of purifies us. It, it helps work out the kinks in our life. Uh, but then ultimately, we suffer so that the gospel message, the good news of Christ, can go forth and go out. So before we get into to all the little details, that's the main point of it is even though you're going to suffer, it's okay. Be encouraged because Christ is there with you and your suffering has a purpose. Um, so when things get hard and you have no purpose, it's really easy to give up and quit and just be discouraged. But a lot of times, if you can find the purpose in it, it's easier to kind of push through and do the hard things. And so um, kind of in that first verse, 18, that's where we, we kind of bring it back. You know, he's just finished talking about suffer for doing righteousness, um, for, uh, for doing good deeds, basically. Uh, And so verse 18, it says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteousness for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. And so ultimately, our suffering is connected to the suffering of of Christ. So Galatians, Paul says in Galatians uh, that I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. So by becoming a believer in Jesus, we are then connected with him in his death, in his suffering. Um, It says that Jesus became a curse um, so that he could free us from a curse. And so because he took on unrighteousness and dealt with that, we have a way into righteousness. And so when we look at this, the first thing is that, yes, we will suffer, but it's because we are connected to Christ. Because we're connected to Christ, we don't suffer alone. And so, um, you know, when you look at kind of the, the gods of the time, so you look at the different Greek gods and kind of the way the Greco-Roman world looked at things, um, gods were these all-powerful beings that kind of lorded over creation. Um, but they were fairly disconnected from it in as most of the time, the gods could care less about the suffering of people. And so when you have the Christians come on the scene, with Jesus coming on the scene, you have this difference and this switch 
you know, for these Gentiles that Peter's talking to, the idea that you're not serving a God, you're not loved by a God who's disconnected, who kind of sets things in motions and steps off, who kind of looks down at the plight of man and goes, ah, those pesky people, but someone who has walked through suffering, who understands and empathizes with where we're at. And so the idea is, yeah, it's, it's difficult to do hard things, but when you're doing them with someone, when you're doing them together, uh, when you have comfort in that, when you're not alone in that, it's easier to walk through those hard times and suffering. So it's not just that Christ suffered so we suffered, it's that Christ suffered so he understands our suffering. So he's with us in our suffering, so he's able to comfort us in our suffering because he's been there. Uh, then we get into 19 and 20, um, and this is where it starts getting a little weird. So at 19 it says, um, so it talks about that Jesus was put to death, but he was made alive in the spirit. Verse 19, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah. And while the ark was being prepared in which a few thing, a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. And so this verse, uh, there's kind of a couple popular translations. One I often hear is like, this is a picture of like, Jesus went and preached to uh, the souls in hell, you know, before his resurrection. Um, There's one that says like, well, Jesus preached to the fallen angels. Uh, And so kind of as we look through it, I'm going to go with a third thing. And and essentially what it's talking about um, is that in the days of Noah, all right, Jesus through the spirit preached through Noah to try to save people so God wouldn't have to flood the earth. And so we kind of see this kind of in a, just a basic reading of the scripture. And then, and then if we look for in other places, the Bible. Um, so in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. And so this is kind of confusing sometimes because um, the way Greek word structure is with the tense is, is not always easy for us to understand. So this would be like me saying when Pastor Paul was born, you know, in Oklahoma. So does that mean when I was a baby, when I was born, I was born a pastor? No, no, it's using pastor to describe who I am, and it's talking about an event in the past. Um, So the idea of these souls in prison, that's a current context, but then we're talking about something in the past. So it's identifying who they are. So these are people who lived in the time of Noah, who did not follow God, and now their souls are in prison. Um, So it's talking about that Jesus, through Jesus, people were preached to in the Old Testament to try to be saved. Um, And so what Peter's trying to do is bring context into today. And so he just finished talking about suffering for righteousness sakes. So the idea is there's an unbelieving people surrounding you. And because you do good things, they mock you. They, They cause you to suffer. And so... Jesus suffered in the same way. So the idea is we see this picture of Jesus through the Spirit preaching to people in the time of Noah. Did it work? Did it actually change anything? No. God still had to flood the earth with Noah. So the the same thing today is a lot of times it's like, man, what good does suffering do? What good does being good do if the people around me aren't going to change anyway? Um, But the idea here is that it went and proclaimed. So the importance is that Jesus still preached the good news. 
even though it, it looked like a lost cause, and at times it was a lost cause, um, it didn't matter. There was still an opportunity to, to preach the good news um, of following God and living righteously through him. And so through Christ's suffering, uh, life in the spirit comes, a word of hope is to be preached to everybody. Um, so there's no, there's no one too lost, too far gone. So we see the same thing uh, with the story of Jonah and the whale. You know, God says, go preach to the people of Nineveh. And the Nineveh, uh, Ninevites hated the Israelites. They tortured the Israelites. They tried to kill the Israelites. You know, so essentially God went to Jonah and said, all right, the people that you think are despicable and horrible and are your worst enemies, you need to go preach to them because I don't want to destroy them. You know, they may still be saved. And so Jonah's rebellion was not out of fear, but it was out of the idea that he didn't think they were worthy to be saved. God, I don't want to preach to the Ninevites because I trust your word and you might save them. And I don't think that's a good idea. Uh, so I'm just going to ignore you and go do what I want to. Uh, but what happened? Jonah went and preached to the Ninevites. They repented and God spared them. And so there's this idea that hope is never too far gone. So even though we're in a lost world, even though we're separated from God, even though we're going through suffering, all right, that suffering allows us to be a, a presentation of the hope of Jesus. So just as through Jesus, through the Spirit, Noah preached in the last days, to try to save the world before God destroyed it with the flood. All right? So in the same, we may be in a chaotic environment. We may be in an environment that doesn't look much like God, and we may look at the world and go, there doesn't seem to be a lot of hope for it to change, but that doesn't change the command that part of the reason that we suffer, that we go through trials, is that we go through hard times, is that's an avenue to share hope with other people. Even though I'm going through hard times, I, I still have faith, I still have hope, I still have joy, and those things are because of Jesus. So when people see me go through a hard time, I can point them to Jesus. Um, and so Peter kind of uses this as an aside to explain Jesus and the gospel and baptism and kind of throw that all in. So because of that, that's why I would interpret this passage that way. Um, so you can interpret Jesus goes to hell and preaches to, you know, those, you know, I think it's a really weird aside that has nothing to do with everything else that Peter's talking about. So remember, when we interpret scripture, context is king. All right, that's what we should look to first. And so if, if something, if we pick out a verse and we try to make it say something that none of the verses around it talk about, you know, you know, I know I chased some rabbit trails, but that would be a very severe rabbit trail for Peter to chase in the middle of that statement. And so we have to go, okay, what is he trying to say um, as we look to and interpret this passage? Um, and so as we look at this, I love this, baptism 21, which corresponds to this, now saves you, uh, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, whom has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, powers having been subjected to him. And so Christ suffered, but what did it lead to? It led to the salvation of everybody. It led to the ability of us to come to, to Jesus through baptism. Uh, Romans uh, 3. In Romans 3, Paul says um, uh, that basically in his divine forbearance, so because God knew what was going to happen ahead of time, 
He didn't punish the people of the Old Testament because he knew at the right time Jesus would come and die for the ungodly. So when he says Abraham was saved by his faith, and that was counted to him as righteousness, basically Romans 3 says that Abraham was still saved by Jesus. It's just that God is outside of time in a way that we're not. So he's able to look at the death of Jesus and allow that to be salvation for those in the Old Testament. So that's kind of what Peter's talking about here. And so we go from this idea that Jesus suffered for us to bring us into this baptism, to bring us into a, a cleansing, not just washing us in a physical way, but washing us in a spiritual way so that we could have new life. So that leads us into chapter 4. So it says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. All right, so suffering has a way of cutting through to what's important. All right, so um, in the early church, there was lots of persecution and lots of suffering. And that continued all the way. So Christ died in about 33 um, uh, AD. We see Paul's missionary journeys and letters start around 45, 50 AD, all the way to John wrote his last letter at about 90 AD. So that's kind of the span of the apostles. So from the time of Jesus' death all the way until 325 um, AD, the Christians were severely persecuted. In 325, we have uh, the emperor, Const the Roman Emperor Constantine comes and allows Christianity to be the kind of the state religion of the day and ends persecution with that. And so now you would think after, you know, almost 300 years of persecution, the, the church fathers, all right, the early church fathers would have written their celebration, how awesome it was, and they wrote the exact opposite, all right? Their response to an ending of persecution was, how will we know who's really with us now? If it doesn't cost them anything, how will we know who's really following Jesus? And so there's, there's this idea that when we suffer, when we go through hard times, it brings us together with Christ. It forces us to rely not on our own goodness, not on our own ability, but it forces us to rely on Him. So if things are always easy, it's easy to get in this rut of doing things under our own power. I can handle this. I don't really need God. Right? But when we suffer, when we go through hard times, it forces us to cling to a power that's greater than ourselves. And so by the very act of suffering in the flesh, right, like Jesus did, it, it purifies us. It helps us live more focused and solely on him. And so it's painting this picture of, like, because we are going through suffering, we're going to follow Jesus in a way that those around us won't understand. So remember, this goes back to what he said um, in chapter 2 that we should have our conduct among the Gentiles godly so that when they persecute us, all right, they'll see our good deeds and praise God. And so we're continuing that same thought. When we go through suffering, be encouraged because Christ suffered with us. His suffering enters us into salvation. And as we suffer, we grow closer to him and become more like him. And then finally, in, in verse 6, it says, For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead that though judged in the flesh the way people are they might live in the spirit the way God does and so he turns it back to purpose 
The idea of suffering is for a purpose. Jesus suffered for a purpose so he could bring salvation. In our suffering, all right, we are a picture and a presentation of the gospel. So even those who are dead. So in other words, not everyone's going to be saved. Some people are already dead. All right, we're not going to be able to reach everybody. But that doesn't mean we don't try, all right, because there's always hope in Christ. And so as we give that message, we may reach through and speak to those who are separated from Christ, and we may connect them in the Spirit. So ultimately, ultimately, as we suffer, all right, we do so because Christ is with us, because it builds us and ties us closer to Christ, and then finally because it's a presentation of the good news. All right? Like Jimmy talked about last week, we always need to be ready to give a response to the hope that we have in Jesus. And that response sometimes uh, is what helps the gospel go out. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you that Christ suffered for us so that we could be eternally connected to you. God, we thank you for your mercy and your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.